I, I download everything on the internet, uh -huh. so I don't really. All right. <laughs> I don't bother with any format. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Silicone, Escapologists and Cyclopean Serial Killers, all on this 29th Midnight Video with your hosts me Jim Hall and me Phil Walsh. Tonight, Mr Miyagi takes on a crack squad of pneumatic babes, soft porn country singers and Eric Estrada. Thrills and a probably a few spills in Do or Die. The man who fell to earth will go to any lengths for his green card as our British rock stars at the movies season continues. Can a beehived and baker-foiled Rosanna Arquette untangle David Bowie from the Linguini incident? And meet a highly strung artist with a fridge full of peepers whose work is a load of balls. We stroke our chins and ponder the challenging vision on offer in The Headless Eyes. <laughs> to London where oh boy it's freezing mm. man you must really have had cold. a tough week manhandling the gardens of the Hoi Polloi <laughs> yeah um, yeah freezing my knackers off even with my long johns on it's you know I, I have my packed lunch which is like sandwiches and stuff in your long johns <laughs> I should do actually I might have to do that I'm, I'm going to stock up on soup next week buy a flask it's just ridiculous <laughs> Oh my goodness! No, I was not quite hallucinating, but I came home from a trip out to buy some lasagna the other day. I felt quite faint when I got him from the cold. It was like chunks of my brain were freezing. <laughs> and indeed, the pipe from my kitchen sink has frozen. So oh, just wow. full of well, I've I've, I've I've bailed out the dishwater in it, mm. but um, my Sunday's going to be spent <laughs> doing a little bit of uh, midnight plumbing. Yeah, I remember that. Like when I was a kid, that that was often like the pipes would freeze up. But I've never encountered that again. You should keep your long johns on. <laughs> well, do you know what I think is going to um, warm us up a little? What? If we could go to Hawaii, <laughs> inject a little Honolulu sunshine into an otherwise chilly February evening. This baby's going to even the score. I'm going to blow their tits off. Bullets, Bombs and Babes was filmmaker Andy Sidaris' recipe for good times in his series of 12 action movies, decorated by Playboy pets and several types of loud bang. 1991's Do or Die has irritated crime kingpin Pat Morita of Karate Kid fame unleashed teams of his best killers against feisty agents Donna and Nicole in a deadly game of cat and mouse, which will include helicopters, dune buggies, jet skis, ninjas, line dancing and gumbo cooking. This is becoming a bit of a running theme on the show, <laughs> but this was something you chose a few months back. I remember you sending me on a list, and then probably about a month <laughs> back when we met up in Weather Spoons and were just organising what we'd be covering in the next few shows, you denied any knowledge of it. In fact, when I was saying, you know, Andy, Andy thingy, um, Andy, is it who? Is it, it's a kind of action thing with loads of women in it. Like, what? <laughs> Has your memory been refreshed now? Do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. What What led you to I, this? I knew all along. Um, what led me to this? I th probably a hard ticket to Hawaii, which is one of his earlier films, um, from about '87, I think that one is. And I was put onto that by a mate who um, pointed me out to the most ludicrous uh, death scene you've ever seen, which involves a skater, a blow-up doll, and a missile launcher. <laughs> Uh, all whilst moving on a on a, um, a jeep, 
Anyway, I've watched that film. I've got this box set of Andy Sidaris's movies, but I did buy oh, that. Have you got the whole 12? Yeah, I've got all 12. Oh, man. I, but I've got the hard ticket to Hawaii. I've got the German edition, which has commentary with Sidaris, which which is definitely worth a peep. Um, these 12 films are actually kind of a big continuity, aren't they? In some Very respects, vaguely. Although the actresses tend to... Some of them die and he's got come a repa- back as other yeah, characters. He's got know? a repertory um, company almost, yeah, hasn't he? yeah. But this is it. People appear with no introduction here. So the opening is quite nicely done with this little Hawaiian native dance and a lot of tourists seem to be getting down to it. And then uh, two heroines, um, what was it, Nicole? Donna and Nicole. Donna and Nicole. Um, some beefcake in a black vest comes up and says, someone important wants to talk to you, and they just nod at each other and walk off. <laughs> then we find out they're government agents, but it's all very cursory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not about exposition, really. I mean, no. the exposition... Ex- exploitation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole uh, scenario is basically uh, Mr. Miyagi. I'm going to just We're refer to him that. as Mr. Miyagi. is like a Japanese crime boss, leader of a syndicate or whatever, and he's trying to branch out into America he knows that these are like the top brass from the CIA <laughs> if you can call them that they're never described weird. that way in the film so he has like 12 assassins put on the on the case basically to take them down over the next in duos in duos yeah, yeah. but uh, is it over like a week or a few um, days or something something like that but the it's fact kind it's of a game isn't it very it's much like, it's like deadliest game mm. um because he, he gets to meet these two and they I thought they were just going to get killed there and then as a sign of how lethal a crime kingpin is and then we get to meet the proper <laughs> the proper heroines of this because they're not there's nothing special about them are they? No, far from they're, they're not great looking yes they've got silicone breasts um, but they're appalling actresses oh, yeah. I mean there's delivering dialogue badly but then there's there's a lot of scenes where um, Donna I think it is who's uh, is it Cynthia someone? Brimhall, I think her name is. Yeah. Um, there's a scene they're getting something explained to them, and she's just staring at the floor throughout <laughs> it, looking really bored. Um, but yeah, there's no introduction to them. We don't know their names. We don't know who they're working for. And throughout the entire 90 minutes, you never get to know anything about them. It's not even something as simple as one's feisty and the other's cautious, or anything personality-wise about them. No, no, because there's there's a funny scene where later on, when you meet Eric Estrada and his buddy, who are sent into protect them actually aren't they they're like air force guys and one of them has obviously had a fling with donna or, or nicole i can't remember the brunette it, yeah in the past and well, it's just sort of accepted and even eric estrada like tries to make something of it and i don't know whether that was um improvised maybe or something quite possibly because he's, that, he's, the, he's 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 got acting chops as his, his stanislavski technique was uh, <laughs> coming in there but yeah, it's just like that's just not important for Sidoris. It is literally all about lingering boob and arse shots and lots of explosions. Yeah, and that's what I liked about it. Is it's really cheap and cheerful for me. It is uh, so cheap that I was surprised by how good some of the explosions were because you got that basic setup. Um, Mister Mawagi says, "I'm going to have you killed. Not now, but you're going to go away and you will get tracked down by it. It'll be this game." Um, so the first team up against them is uh, the beefcake I mentioned yeah, in the yeah. vest um, we find out later they're called Duke and Woody do you remember the little guy with him because like I say there's this muscle bound guy and then he's got a little guy yes, with him yes, yes, a little bold guy with a moustache <clears throat> he looks a little like Robert Englund <laughs> yeah. I presume his job is just to be a helicopter pilot but he's got one line of dialogue when um, when 
Duke or something says, this looks like it's going to be easy, and he goes, hmm, <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, and their helicopter gets blown to pieces by a walking cane. Yeah, that's great. With a mini-missile inside it. Yeah, because doesn't she, she isn't she dragged along furiously at one point to when they're seeing Mr. Miyagi so she yeah. falls over on her ankle a bit yeah. so she needs a walking so cane later excuse on, for her to have this cane. <laughs> but it's great it's like a real old fashioned sort of uh, it's like a, what a dandy or a fop would have <laughs> yes. but it's got she can put a little missile that she keeps in a cowboy boot into it and then yeah, fire it's like it a high octane John Steed <laughs> but what I love then is uh, we cut back throughout this to Mr. Miyagi back at home with his um uh, glamorous assistant Silk who's this um, Asian lady who has a computer but it very much dates it to 91 I think even for then the graphics were probably 10 years behind the even times then. but it's just they have a pair it's very much like the one that they have in the thing where they're mm. trying to look at how the cells will assimilate yes. you just get a bunch of names floating around and then if the henchmen are killed off which they inevitably are because I think everyone in this has like a homing device inside them mm. which I'll come to maybe a bit later if they get killed, their names drift off into a box and then explode. <laughs> and I love the fact that they've gone to the effort of putting that in. Yeah. Like Mr. Mawagi doesn't he doesn't just want them to go uh, the names to vanish, he wants a big a big sending off for them. So there's an awful lot of scenes. I'm I'm sure um Pat Marito filmed his stuff in probably two days. I would have thought so, yeah. It's him basically getting um massages. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> He's having a good time here. He's but, loving it, yeah. But very much in the inscrutable mould, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, his, his scenes are almost uh, probably the most cursory because like, he is quite an emotionless actor. Uh, I've got to say, I've never seen Karate Kid. What? Never seen it. That is amazing. No. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to rectify that. Okay. I quite like it. I think no, it's, like, be it's, up, a, it's a great uh, underdog story. We should maybe at some point do a triple of the ones I've not seen. So Karate mm. Kid, Last Starfighter. Uh, Monster Squad. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, yeah. what a great lineup okay. that is. Yeah. yeah, oh, I'd love that anyway. But going back to this computer screen, <laughs> what's particularly wonderful about that is, like I say, the names are in and pairs. So when that first pair, Duke and Woody, get totaled, we get a lovely glimpse of what's to come. And um, I'm sure you've written this down as well. But what, the, the, names? Other, the other teams the names, we've got yeah. to look forward to then: <laughs> Ava and Skip. Yeah. Bordeaux and Herbert. Oh, the, those are the occasions. <laughs> Spencer and Dudley. Yes. If if you need some top assassins, that's the ones. Again. <laughs> Hot dog and Sledge. <laughs> and Lou and Chen. That's yeah. almost a, an anticlimax. But, like, but, but like, Spencer and Dudley sounded absolutely. But I think it intriguing. was wasn't it written Chen Lu? So that, mm. I'm pretty sure that's that reminds me of a character in Mortal Kombat or something <laughs> like that. But that hot dog and sledge were there with the jet ski guys, weren't yeah, they? Who with a strangely had... kind of um, Germanic theme. But there's a great shot with it. Yeah, it's two guys on jet skis, but they have this weird. I'm not sure what Under it is. Under the bridge. Yeah, yeah, it looks that's great. Incredible. That looked really good. Yeah. Again, because the rest of it's so cheap and cheerful, that looks genuinely fantastic. Yeah, I think I wrote down it. Yeah, but jet skis under the bridge shot is too cool. No, that looks really good. <laughs> The weird thing is, though, Mr. Miyagi seems to... I'm not sure if these were just which assassins were available uh, <laughs> at short notice. But to start off, if your first gambit is to... I can imagine he's the sort of guy who might like to sort of play with these girls for a little bit, um, taunt them. But to then to start with the two guys in the helicopter and then build up to um, 
two camp cooks with um, debating how what the best way to do um, some gumbo cooking. Some catfish. With some catfish. Y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Who just look like a pair of bears from a gay club, don't yeah, they? They it's, do. They uh, really with their check shirts yeah. and beards. And they're kind of, they're, the relationship between them seems a little bit um, festive. They're like, um, oh, I, have, I think we've mentioned them before and I always forget the names from uh, Diamonds Are Forever. I was going to mention those in relation to another film later. Oh right, okay. Win- Winton Kid. Ah, oh, you know from, what I'm talking. I know. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they were kind of. I quite. I found them quite am- genuinely amusing, though. Like the. I I did like them because the film. Yeah, it, it's cheap nonsense. I mean, it is absolute junk. Oh um, yeah, uh, yeah. No, for the know. first half hour, but then, yeah, um, Bordeaux and Herbert or Herbert. Herbert. <laughs> there. The fact that these assassins are this, this sort of camp pair of chefs. And they're terrible assassins. And they're dreadful. I mean, they're so bad the girls don't even kill them. They're happy for them to just be arrested. Although, strangely, then they're still on Mwagi's kill list. They explode in the name box. I'm not sure what happened there. (laughs) But around that time, because this is the Cajun section, um, this is when we get the porno line dancer. Inexplicably, uh, because other agents come in throughout this. Anyone else would have just concentrated on the two girls, but... To his credit, Sadaris probably realises they're such dreadful actresses and just complete <laughs> charisma vacuums. He brings in Estrada and his partner, whose haircut is very much like uh, the guy who played John in Chips, I think, to try and get that memory going. Um, <laughs> I was going to say Scott in Neighbours, <laughs> Jason uh, Donovan's character. And and throughout it, there's several others, men with mullets, um, women with women enormous with, breasts, um, just horrible looking breasts they're not pleasant yeah. to look at um, they're like Lolo Ferrari aren't they <laughs> yeah you, they wouldn't be any good in the field <laughs> they're alright for under waterfalls though. <laughs> oh yeah there's a lot of there's two or three slow motion shag sequences as if you yeah. know death is a great aphrodisiac <laughs> and you know one of the agents who's introduced is this porno country singer but the thing I love about that scene is there's no build up to it as per usual but the club she's in just looks like a completely run of the mill cowboy not even cowboy it's a family play it's got these yeah, nice middle aged couples they look like to be having a, a nice harvester night harvester or something yeah <laughs> it doesn't look to be full of real sleaze bags and swingers but there she is parading about in a g-string and thigh boots and a stetson yeah. with a well fairly camp looking uh, guy doing backflips around <laughs> and doing a completely unsuggestive song seriously it, it's it's it's, it's just only such what a, she's wearing that's suggestive Oh, it's not even suggestive. It's it's in your face, but it's it's such a wonderful moment. It reminded me a lot of um, when we watched the Wicker Tree at Fright Fest. It was that <laughs> yes. kind of, or even even Ken Russell, I guess. Yeah. In fact, if Ken Russell was charged with doing a sort of action movie, this may have been what he'd come up with. Yeah, I, I really like, and I, I actually quite like that song because they play it at the end as well, over the end credits. They do. Yeah, it was, it was, I'll put that in at some point on the uh, on the show. But Down in the Bayou. Yeah, but because she's. She's singing in a sort of sultry French way at the beginning, then it breaks it. Well, they love that. that. Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, because she's she's romantically involved with the mullet man. Yeah, the the sort of uh, the Charlie figure, as it were, (laughs) as in Charlie's Angels. Yes, not the coke supplier. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Although I'm sure there was a lot of that flying around. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to to say about this film other than it is just like glorious trash really yeah no I mean those things uh, the, the the camp chefs and the, the porno country singer I was thinking ah this has a good sense of the absurd but it does it's only an hour and a half it, it's, it was entertaining enough I mean 
I wouldn't recommend anyone goes out of their way to watch it. But if you happen to be in a particularly cheap motel on holiday and it comes up on the cable, then, you know, stick with it, maybe. I got all 12 for something like five or six dollars on Amazon.com. <laughs> it's amazing because they come in this like extra big uh, DVD case, but like they're in uh, paper uh, right. sleeves. Uh, it's just so cheap. But, uh, and the double-sided discs as well, so... Well, yeah, you don't want to use up any more resources. Two films on each side, so yeah, no. Yeah. It's, but the hard ticket, hard ticket to Hawaii is one that you should definitely watch. That yeah, it beggars belief. There's some of the there's a, a frisbee with like razor blades all around the edge, and that as opposed to Eric Estrada's exploding baseball. <laughs> oh he, God, I forgot about that. He mu- in this, yeah. yeah, he must have enormous pockets to I was run around say with because he, he, he? he has decoy ones to be, to lull this guy, the assassin, into a full sense of security. Yeah. I think it is Spencer and Dudley actually who uh, <laughs> come a cropper there. Yeah. But yeah, um, Frank Spencer and Dudley said, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, it's junk, but you know, it's quite fun." It is, yeah. I mean, I can imagine like the creators of Garth Marenghi watching this kind of stuff and saying, "Oh, we've got to do something like that, or have an actor like that." <laughs> oh man! Just before we go, um, I I did love the end because it is so much like TV when everything's resolved in a real damp squib finale. Yeah. You think they're going to go after Mawagi once they inevitably yeah, beat the no. assassins, but they just sort of peters out as if. Yeah. There's, there's no he, he just and he's so inscrutable he doesn't really care does he it's no no oh well my hands which were made for dealing yeah. death haven't quite I am so ashamed is all he says anyway anyway <laughs> gets back onto the job um there's a painful scene at the very end which is them all sitting around like the end of a cop show on TV just making little jokes to each other but mm. quite enigmatic ones they don't really <laughs> mean anything and oh my god yeah ham fisted. <laughs> I bet she was. How are you feeling now? It says here there are 200 bones in the human body. Make that 201. Not for long. So this is it. We finally reached the end of the alphabet of the A to Z of film through midnight video. Um, and thanks for all the contributions over the last few months yep. that have come in. Have uh, been some amazing yeah, ones. Thanks for your, your enthusiasm. Yeah, and, and everyone is really pitched in there. We've got a lot of repeat offenders. Yeah, and we're going to begin with one of them. <laughs> Name and oh. number to the governor, Charles Edwards. Hi, mate. <laughs> U is for Umberto D, my very favourite neo-realist masterpiece, one of the most heartbreaking films ever made and featuring the finest man-and-his-dog relationships in cinema, a searing indictment of post-World War II social issues, which I agree sounds dull as ditch water, but in reality is vital, compelling and quietly devastating. V. V is for Vault of Horror, best oh, of the yeah. classic horror anthologies of the 60s, 70s, in part due to the delightful cast and more twisted and ghoulish than usual stories, but mostly due to the fabulously gaudy interior decor. I think that's the one with Tom Baker's voodoo paintings. I absolutely love that. Is it's, it that one? Yeah, it is that yeah. one. Yeah, it's fantastic. That had, I know I've mentioned it a few times before, the, the old Alan Frank horror book I had, but it was great because it had the lineup of all of them because it's him and Tom Baker, Kurt Jurgens, Kurt Jurgens Michael Craig. Yeah, um, Daniel Massey. Oh yeah, the vampire ones. Yeah. <laughs> tap. But then under it's got the end of it, which I'm sure this won't be a surprise to anyone else not seen it. It turns out they were dead all the time. Oh. And this is. The, um, <laughs> but they, it's all them coming out with his skull faces. But Tom Baker looks great with his but afro what, and wasn't skull. Wasn't that the one that was? Uh, that's been lost. That particular. 
cut of it. Really? Because there's two cuts. There's one that has all the skulls and yeah. like the the dead, as it were. Yeah. And then there's one which is the only one available now, which wow. doesn't have that. I think someone pointed this out to me on the. I think it might have been the Mondo Movie Forum. Is that not how the film ends? Because it's been on TV a fair few yeah, times. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a different. I'm struggling to remember because I watched it a year or two ago. Hmm. But I, did, I, I didn't really remember that exact bit. I, I was more uh, involved with the stories. But, yeah, I, I need to look into that again. W is for Waxwork, a horror nerd's nirvana which sees David Warner's spooky waxwork sucking in the souls of its visitors to resurrect the 13 most evil beings that ever lived. In an ideal world, Anthony Hicks, Hickcox's horror comedy is the blueprint for how much fun all referential horror films should be. How funny. I watched that two weeks ago. Really? And I watched Waxwork 2, and I watched Sundown. The Legend of Curly's Gold. <laughs> Sundown, the retreat, uh, Vampires in Retreat, which is also by Hickox, and Hellraiser 3. You which can is pronounce by it better than me. <laughs> um, yeah, I've watched loads of Hickox films recently because, yeah, I watched Waxwork, absolutely loved it. Mm. Waxwork 2 is even better. It's like Gremlins and Gremlins 2. It, it sort of goes oh, all it's out a bit and goes a bit, is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Patrick McNeese in it. Um, there's an am- amazing moments on the soundtrack. There's a bit towards the end where it starts referencing and homaging like loads of um, what would now be termed classic films like uh, Dawn of the Dead and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just balls out brilliant. Um, yeah, Hickox, uh, amazing. Really, really interesting director for those first. He did, I think the last decent film he made apparently was Warlock 2, The Armageddon. Julian Sands? Yes. Okay. Yeah, which I've got, I've got 1, 2, and 3 actually, but I haven't watched yet. So. I've seen Warlock 1, but Richard E. Grant's in that. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, good stuff though, yeah, so. X is for Triple X2 up with Crank 2, Transporter 2 and Under Siege 2 as insultingly ridiculous yet boisterously entertaining action clag. Clag? Not seen. <laughs> I've seen the first one which I didn't really uh, enjoy. You've seen Crank 2? Yeah, no I've not seen Triple X2. Yeah, no, God, I didn't even get through the first one. Uh, uh, Vin uh, Diesel's yeah. never really... Um, no. Why is for young Sherlock Holmes? Remember when Spielberg produced side projects were rollicking adventure stories and not rampant, ever engorged CGI porn? Brilliant Bruce Broughton score, too. Or is it Brofton? I'm going to say Broughton. Broughton. Oh, mm-hmm. could be. Um, I, I saw this for the first time a couple of months ago. Mm, didn't really like it. No, I just found it odd that throughout, uh, right from the start, they're saying how it's an affectionate homage to the works of Conan Doyle, as if his estate might get a bit litigious. Because <laughs> it's, um, uh, I don't know, we, 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 it's probably going to be quite a long section anyway. But I was going to bring in the fact that after the last show, mm. um, you said that Estelle was keen to watch the rest of the BBC, mm. um, the Dominic Cumberbatch one, and you said you'd seen Reichenbach. Yeah. And can you remember what you told me about your appraisal uh, of Moriarty? Moriarty, I can't remember my exact. You said word, it was the worst rendition of any fictional character you've ever seen. Don't you don't say Moriarty's bad in this? Oh, well, it's Higgins. <laughs> it's Anthony Higgins. Not that. No, I, oh, right, I was keen okay. to bring up your um, assessment of Graham Norton as the Joker. In this, <laughs> yes, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this BBC production. No, um, young Sherlock Holmes. I don't know. It did, despite what Giles has just said, I did find it was something that got away from the spirit of Sherlock Holmes and just put loads of what at the time was the equivalent of CGI. It was. Um, yeah. 
it, it seemed it wasn't enough that he was an interesting character Holmes it had all this um, special effects and stuff which now are kind of nostalgic because it's very much that 80s physical effects stuff. yeah but yeah don't I don't know and just the whole premise of Holmes having a love life back then which is he's now closed the door on mm. I don't know. I wasn't too taken with it. No, I, I I love it. Absolutely love it. It's something I watch every year. It's one of those uh, non-Christmas Christmas movies. Okay, oh, I see. Um, but, oh, no, I think it's great. I absolutely love it. I, lo- I love the guy who plays him as well. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's very good. He's in Lockstock. He's one of the stoners in Lockstock. You know, the guy <laughs> selling <laughs> weed. No. Chill out, Winston. Yeah, um... I I really like it. I love all those effects bits. I, the pheasants scared the shit out of me that when is I went good. to see it at the cinema. I was about eight at the time, yeah, I think. About 87-ish. It yeah, came, I it really put the willies at me. <laughs> uh, okay, Zed is for Zed Channel, A Magnificent Obsession. One of my favourite film-on-film documentaries. Zan, daughter of John Cassavetes' film, is the tragic story of Jerry Harvey who created the world's first cable TV station for movie lovers. Programmed some world-changing features, director's cuts of Wild Bunch, Once Upon a Time in America, to name just two, and rescuing some enduring classics of cinema from obscurity before tragedy engulfed his personal life. Yeah, you lent me that mm. um, about a year ago. I thought it was fantastic. It's one of those things that just make you feel quite inadequate at the end. because. <laughs> yeah. He things that were casual seasons to him of directors I've still never heard of. <laughs> but uh, they boy, did yeah. the full Heaven's Gate. Didn't yeah, well. yeah. I think that's what started that's the good. kind of because now that's kind of got um, some critical reassessment. Yeah. Hasn't it? Apparently that was the beginning of it getting this sort of cut that was much closer to what uh, Simono. Yeah, because there's a lot of talking heads on there who are like, really, really bigging him up. So thanks, Giles. Yes, thanks very much. Um, thanks for all of your content. Yes. He, he did the full A to Z. Uh, it was uh, very impressive. He's been there from the beginning to the end. <laughs> and next, someone else who's been a sort of frequent contributor, Marie Hepworth, um, who has you. After much racking my brain to think of anything beginning with you, I came up with Uzumaki, Japanese spirally strangeness. I particularly love the people who turn into snail-type things. Yeah, grateful. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I watched it for my um, A to Z challenge that yeah. I did last year, uh, watching 26 films in one go, and that was my U, and it was perfect for that time <laughs> of uh, day or night or whatever Heading it towards was. the end. Yeah. Or uh, did you do it in sequence? Yeah, I did it. Yeah. 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 No, it was, uh, it was very funny. It's very Japanese. Uh, v. V is for vampires, be it Dracula, played by so many people, I guess most famously by Lugosi and Lee, or Nosferatu either version and it means I get to mention Kingsky who is great in the Herzog version or people who think they are vampires but probably aren't such as Romero's Martin or crazy old Nick Cage in Vampire's Kiss yay actually <laughs> Nick Cage is in um, Empire this month under a feature saying crazy characters of Nick Cage and it doesn't mention Vampire's Kiss what? this is outrageous it's a key text <sighs> anyway I'll carry on <laughs> sorry uh, it seems everyone loves a vampire. I seem to have a fondness for the slightly lesbian-type vampire films, and I'm not sure what this says about me. 
Daughters of Darkness is one of my favourite films, and I also have a thing for Jean Roland's films where the lack of anything really resembling a plot or anyone with any acting skill is balanced by the images and hazy atmosphere he creates. You'd love, Andy Sidaris. You'd love to or die, yeah. <laughs> it seems everyone wants to be a vampire nowadays. It's all Twilight's fault with its stupid, sparkly vampires turning out a film every year to make my working life hell for a month or two. <laughs> wow. oh. Well, we used to work in a bookshop, so we know how terrible Twilight fans are from uh, there. We had it early on. We had the onslaught beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, it's not a it's not a pissing contest. (laughs) Uh, W for Vim Vendor's Wings of Desire. That's a whole lot of W. I love this film, and I love Bruno Ganz, and I love Peter Falk in it. Also has Nick Cave in it towards the end, so it can't get much better for me. Actually, I like most of Vendor's stuff, though I haven't seen any of his more recent output. Um, same here. He seemed to be a huge figure in the sort of seventies and eighties, and then yeah. I think like is it to the ends of the world mm. at ninety? After that, it's kind of. If I was, uh, I was saddened to see him on Mark Cousins' story of film when he had a little imperial and his hair tied back. He looked like he'd really lost the plot. <laughs> is this the man who did the American Friend and? Goalkeeper's fear of the penalty. I was thinking. What was? Uh, didn't it got remade though? Wings of Desire with Nick it? Cage. With Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, with Meg Ryan. Yeah. Probably why I haven't watched it. <laughs> Not keen on her. Uh, oh, X. Sorry, on. I have nothing for X. Never seen Extra. Oh my Don't know what you're missing out on. Something X-rated or? Uh, <laughs> Come on, she's putting some Exorcist. good work. Exorcist. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I'll get Y then. Uh, for why I am going to pick a film based on title alone it's a giallo directed by Sergio Martino roughly based on The Black Cat um, that's Poe isn't it Yeah. Uh, starring Edwig Fennec and Anita Strindberg and the English title Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key it's a decent enough film but not great but it has my favourite giallo title uh, yeah it's, it's one that I like as well have I you seen like it? The or? House with Laughing Windows is yeah, a, I think that gets a mention good one. oh Zed was going to go with zombies which along with the vampires seem to be everywhere at the minute but I decided to pick a film by Pupi Avati who directed House with Laughing Windows from 1983 called Zida or Zeda, I think it's Zida. Zida. Uh, it sounds like it should be a zombie film as the plot revolves around K-Zones where you can bury a person and they will be brought back to life it's quite slow and a little clunky in places but it's interesting and very atmospheric not seen it. Sounds great. Oh. I like the idea of a K zone. <laughs> I thought it was like a circle K, the old uh, <laughs> off licensee type place. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks very much, Marie, who then goes on to say that she's tempted to buy an old VHS player so she can get hold of the, Mac- the Mick Jagger film we reviewed last time. Um, yeah, there's a lot of love for Jagger going on. There is. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. Dis- despite how dreadful her review was, <laughs> just uh, squealing through the thing. Um, but on the way here, I heard something I wasn't familiar with. Um, apparently, Jagger's been hanging out with Boris Johnson in the last few weeks. Really? In order to distance himself from uh, running out of luck. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Cycling. Maybe trying. Maybe trying. <laughs> Oh, if Jagger had pushed the Boris bikes, that would have been a great... Uh, especially with who's the bo- uh, she's the boss player. Yeah. But, oh, boy. So, yeah, God. thanks, guys. We have some more A to Z entries to read before the end of the show, but yeah, we know, we're going to have to get moving on. Yeah, apparently we're reviewing some films as well. Yes. You don't know how hard it is to escape from a straitjacket with tits. 
He's been an alien, a circus freak, a vampire, a goblin, and Pontius Pilate. By 1991, David Bowie faced his greatest acting challenge. An enigmatic Englishman charming his way through the artier side of New York for director Richard Shepard's The Linguini Incident, in which Dave makes a beeline for kooky waitress and wannabe escapologist Rosanna Arquette and her lingerie-designing pal Esther Ballin. With Arquette desperate for Houdini's wedding ring, will the goofy trio really resort to robbing Buck Henry's restaurant? So it goes on the... uh British rock stars, the British at, the rock stars at the movies. And so <laughs> far we've had Daltrey and Jagger showing their acting chops, but here's probably the guys who had the most... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what to call it. <laughs> um, he's a heavy presence in the cinema, isn't he? Bowie yeah, keeps cropping up from years, time yeah. to time, and we mentioned some of his Since more famous roles. Mm. He did a short in 1968 called The Image, I think. Or oh, I read about it on... Um, uh, my friend Wes hello Wes if you get round to listen to this <laughs> he's quite far behind on the shows but uh, he put it on his blog and um, yeah it sounds quite interesting student sort of film um, <clears throat> but yeah he's, he's been uh, he's been kicking the celluloid about for a fair few decades and what I've got to ask is when he crops up when you see his name attached to a film are you thinking oh or are you thinking oh no, uh, somewhere in between. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, priapic sort of inducing. Right. <laughs> I absolutely love David Bowie. I I love his music, uh, and I love him as an actor. And I know that's uh, it's quite odd because a lot of people sort of level it him at being a very poor actor. Um, and I can kind of see that in some ways, but he is David Bowie. Um, that's enough for me. So he brings a certain uh, je ne sais quoi. To yeah, the, uh, he, he's got his own individual charms, which, you know, he got slated for The Prestige. Every review I read about The Prestige as Tesla, I thought he was really good as Tesla. It's one of his fine. better roles, if no, anything. I only <laughs> saw that relatively recently. I, did, I didn't think there was anything. He was better in that than he was as Andy Warhol, I think. Oh, in, in Basquiat. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, playing Andy Warhol, I mean, Warhol was a prick anyway, wasn't he? So. <laughs> but. Before we get on to the Linguini incident, <laughs> are you a fan of Man Who Fell to Earth? Oh yeah, yeah, very much. What I wanted to do for the show, um, but I think I've not I've not been able to find a copy. Um, did you know it was remade as a TV movie pilot in the eighties? I didn't know that actually. Now, but come to think of it, I remember as a child watching it on TV with my ah. mum, and that's probably how it managed to be on TV. Yeah. It was probably that I saw, no. but this was when I was like four or five years mm, old. Wow, because it was made in eighty-seven. Oh no, that can't be right then. No, I was I was definitely younger, so I, I wow. must have been. That's odd because someone else has told me they think there was another version of it. Yeah, but I can't I find any information on it. Okay, yeah, no, I because yeah, I remember a... like moments, images like stuck in my mind as a like a young child. Yeah. that really stayed with me for years and years after. Which you think looked like Man Who Fell to Earth? Yes. Do you know what I think they could be? By strange coincidence, what uh, Martian Chronicles? Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't seen it. The Ray Bradbury book, um, which has got Silver Locusts here, but yeah. they did a TV mini series of that in the '79, yeah. which got repeated a few times. But the, I was watching because I'm reading that book at the moment. Right. I, I watched, um, I watched some clips of that on YouTube, and it struck me the alien design in that is very much like Man Who Fell to Earth with the bald heads, snow yeah. ears, cat eyes and the sort of uh, gowns mm. but no maybe that's what you're thinking of anyway we're three minutes into this review and haven't really even <laughs> yeah. mentioned the film's <laughs> title yet The Linguini Incident which once again it's um, your choice yeah 
sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'd not heard of it before. I mean, there's a, there's a wealth, there's a big wealth of Bowie that we could have picked, but um, I hadn't heard of this. He has a lot Where of screen time from? in this. Yeah. He's, um, a few years ago, I took it upon myself to try and like dig up everything that he's done, basically. I've still got a couple that I haven't watched yet, but I do own. Um, and this was one that I, I really enjoyed. I, don't know, I, I can be a sucker for these kind of films. And I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing you probably wouldn't have liked this that much. <laughs> Had you seen it before you watched it for the show today? I've seen it a few times. Right, yeah. a few times. Yeah, because I watched it uh, myself and then Estelle was quite keen. My wife was quite keen on watching it. Mm-hmm. And then I've watched it in the interim as well. And ah. watched, rewatched it again this morning. Okay, because yeah, I watched it a few weeks back. Um, this starts. I was thinking this was a bit of a undiscovered gem. It's. Um, mm. I, I I like the opening. This um, this might seem like a minor point, but Thomas Newman does the music. Yeah. He's sort of famous for American Beauty, and he's doing the next um, James Bond film. But it's a mixture of kind of quite frantic piano jazz but there's a lot of really good stuff on the soundtrack it's quite a quirky soundtrack it's not yeah. quite up there with Rumblefish or something but it's got quite a sort of a I know what you mean though. you know yeah. it's got that quite off kilter feel to it the opening I really enjoyed which is going around this I suppose it feels a little like a stage play in which there's only kind of basically two settings in it there's the restaurant where most of these characters work which is run by um, this is why I was going to mention Winton Kidd from Diamonds of Forever this ah. very camp duo they're a kind of like if Gilbert and George were on Britain's Got Talent or something uh, which is Buck Henry and I think Andrew Gregory is the other actor but they're called Cecil and Dante yeah. it's very they're not a, it seems to go out of the way to suggest they're not gay because I no, think they're yeah. talking about how attractive they find a lot of the waitresses who mm. work in their restaurant but they're very much that kind of that kind of um, slightly uncomfortable double act, aren't they? I had them down as Duke and Duke from Trading Places. Yeah, they got yeah. a little bit of that going. Because they're as very well. money obsessed. Or as well. have you seen uh, Music of Chance, the Paul Oster? No, the Paul Oster novel that was made into a film. But no, no Joel Grey from Cabaret's in that with right. Charles Durning. They're kind of a similar, yeah. slightly odd couple. Um, but yeah, their restaurant, which is full of strange, I think there's actually a Dali watch or something. There isn't is their yeah. uh, clock melting clock the waitresses all look like they're from the B-52s or a very <laughs> yeah. cheap very cheap sci-fi from the 60s in these kind of uh, silvery dresses and Alice Band hairstyles and there's Bowie behind the bar giving people all sorts of strange versions of his past I think pretending when we talked about the prestige that he used to he worked for some teleport yes, experiment yeah. or something this is going to be quite something but yeah you're right I, I actually found this <laughs> quite dreadful um, it irritated me a great deal yeah. after about 20 minutes of trying to be willfully bizarre mm. and I'm gonna possibly not too helpful gonna compare it a bit with Static Okay, which yeah. is another off kilter movie but it's got a real warmth and humanity to it you, you get the sense as odd as the things happening are you really care about the characters and why they're acting the way they are whereas everyone in this just seems like a cipher they just seem like a bunch of affectation so Bowie Bowie's not a good actor <laughs> and he's trying here which I've got to say it's a point that other people have made in other films when he's good things like Man Who Fell to Earth and Hunger it works because he's a little bit he's meant to be someone who's putting on a performance whereas here well okay he's meant to, it's probably not given too much of the film away but he's not quite what he seems but he's still not meant to be quite as stiff and artificial as he comes across here <laughs> also Rosanna Arquette 
um, sort of plays a lot of these kind of roles and I just found her quite irritating in it. There was no reason to care for her. The character I did really like, whose name I'm not going to be Esther. able to pronounce, is Esther, yeah. Esther I thought, Ballin, yeah. Who I've looked up a little bit, and she's more a musician nowadays, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, She's yeah. had a few roles in quite She was in odd Stranger films. Than Paradise with John Yeah, and, and Shadows yeah. and Fog, which is yeah. one of the other Woody Allen films. But, um, yeah, I think that's her career now. But she actually seems lively. I think it's possibible because she is the third wheel. We're meant to care mm. about Bowie and Arquette, and she's more the kind of kooky friend. Yeah. And because there's some distance with her um, in terms of she's not the centre stage, you get the feeling she's got more of an exciting life going on. Yeah, yeah. Or she has dreams or something because she's trying to get out of designing lingerie. So <laughs> she reluctantly agrees to help out in this um, robbery. But, yeah, so much of it was just so laboured, you know. <laughs> if I can sum it up, it's the scene when Arquette, who wants to be an escapologist, um, goes to, what is it, some radical lesbian... <laughs> Circus audition, yeah, where the the judges, which are very um, prescient of um, X Factor and stuff, there's there's a dwarf, there's a just a very peculiar looking woman, then there's this militant black woman, isn't there? Yeah. It just looks very stern. Um, and that whole scene, because Arquette, the running joke is she's an escapologist who can never actually get out of these Saxon changes. They're arriving around on stage with Bowie trying to cover up for her, and it's so laboured and wretched. <laughs> Oh, I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, I've rattled off. I can sort of. I was. Like, the, this time I watched it, I was trying to be more critical, and I did pick up on that. There were some moments where, yeah, I can see where the, the laboured side of it, because some of the dialogue was like, wow, that's that, they're really just reading the lines. Yeah. And that was between Esther Ballant and Rosanna Arquette as well. Mm. So, you know, the. Two like reasonably well-established uh, actors doing doing what they can do well, but it still felt a little bit like ooh, stilted. Whereas Bowie, for me, I thought Bowie was great. I, I really liked the fact that he uh, he is the the way he talks because of the way he talks. It, 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 that really affects like his persona, I think, on screen. So he just has this air of mystery about him I know that's quite a cheesy or cliched thing to say but he does that you're never quite certain because there's a great scene where he's chatting on the phone to his mate to come and help him uh, with a robbery mm-hmm. and uh, he's just like all back into his he's like the London boy again isn't he like oh sorry for waking up mate and all that and I thought it was quite it was quite a nice little touch for the director to pick up on that I don't know if Bowie might have said well what if I do it this way or you know, um, I don't know how much input he would have because I was quite interested to see what Richard Shepard had done. Well, probably not much previous. It was was it one of his first. This was films. one of his earliest. I think I can't remember the Mexican. One. Didn't yeah, he? I think one. Um, some of them were going to be quite relatively successful for yeah. the budgets that were. Because um, I mean the, the what was it? I wrote it down because the cinematographer was Robert Yeoman, who's a director of photography in all of Wes Anderson's films. All oh, right. And wow, this um, does have a bit of a Wes Anderson feel to it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, the quirkiness. It's the wrong kind of quirk. Yeah, and... Bad quirk. What What I hated this time watching it was the... Uh, was Cecil and Dante, who are really? insufferable. They do get a bit much... Especially now you're, uh, you've had your rant about Moriarty on um, <laughs> yes. your, your homophobic... <laughs> Rant. Why was it? <laughs> I'm just trying to get you into trouble. Um, no, um, I thought they were lively. Yeah, yeah. if I watched it a second time, they probably would grate on me. But they they gave it some much needed pep. 
I think I one of thought. the best sort of um, uh, side characters would have been the uh, the deaf girl. Yeah. She was great. She is good, although, again, it seems like something that was there just to make it a bit odd. But, yeah, there's the, yeah. the sort of, I suppose she's like the hat check girl or something. But yeah. There's a guy who assumedly is just there to translate just for her. <laughs> So this guy, this girl seems very feisty, the things that she's signing, and he'll very um, deadpan kind of respond, even though, yeah, the stuff she's saying is about how she wants an immediate raise because of this dreadful wig she has to wear. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, so it sounds like Bowie's your main reason for liking this film. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Arquette. I really yeah. like Rosanna Arquette. Let's say there's a parallel universe <laughs> yeah. where Jag is playing that role. <gasps> Would he have been too much for the film? And Bowie is Arquette's. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> that they could be dancing down the street. Oh yeah, that would have <laughs> dancing in the streets. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I think you, you need Bowie in that role. I think Bowie is that role. He's he's got the. Uh, he's got the beat. Yeah, he's, he's got the silver shirt. <laughs> he has. So I guess the next time he was on screen after this was the beginning of the Twin Peaks movie. Yeah, which I really like. <laughs> I think that's a great cameo. Um, it's a great cameo. <laughs> I mean, whether his acting is genuinely good or genuinely bad there, I'm not sure, but it certainly it, works. It's small. Yeah. <laughs> and perfectly formed. What the fuck is this place? Look, I forgot to tell you, this is an all-lesbian vaudeville act, so oh. don't say anything stupid. Thanks for telling me. I was just about to drop my pants and make my monkey dance. I suppose that makes you... Um, it's right. funny sometimes that I was just thinking just from that review that I uh, it's only when you talk to someone else about a film that you start noticing the the, the, the negative points about it more. Oh dear! <laughs> no, because I'm thinking about it now and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe it is. It is actually like quite annoying. In have I sent you on a Bowie respects. spiral? Yeah, no, no, Bowie's no. fine. Like, I've got no problems with Bowie, but I actually like. Well, go on. I'll, I'll like just ask this: um, What's the worst of Bowie for you, like album-wise? Album wise, yeah. Tin Machine, <laughs> the Tin Machine project. Yeah, that 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 tends to be seen as a bit of a Rubicon, doesn't it? Yeah, I, it's not awful, but I just think compared to like everything he's done, yeah. um, bad. But I'm not a big fan of the Ziggy Stardust. Uh, no, I I think either. Hunky Dory's fantastic, yeah. and then I tend to skip on to um, Young Americans. Yeah, I love Young Americans. Yeah. Young Americans great. Anyway, we've got some A to Zs to finish up. More, more, more. Oh, I've lost mine. <laughs> what? Uh, you got oh, here you go. I've got right. them again. So, starting off with Lyndon, hi mate, um, who throughout the week has been. What are you chuckling at? <laughs> the way he starts his. Uh... Well, yeah. Um, we'll editorialise it. <laughs> who throughout the week has been upset at Nicole Williamson dying. Which you didn't know about. No, I didn't know. Um, no. Ben Gazzaro died yeah. uh, last night. I think, yeah, but, but with Nicole, because there was, I briefly thought we could actually do a Nicole. There were enough good suggestions yeah. um, that I thought we could actually do a Nicole triple bill at some point for the show. But mm, who knows? Because we have got a few we'll seasons see. and things. Yeah, and there's we've got something planned. else coming up we need to uh, discuss before the end of the show <laughs> or unveil. But. Lyndon has gone above and beyond and he's actually he got up very early this morning to watch The Reckoning on YouTube um, and Lyndon says it's very well made but I thought Marla the Williamson character rediscovering his Irish identity had a touch of the plastic paddy about it neatly subverted in the end though by making his quarry look as Celtic as he does there's a fair few similarities with Get Carter in the basic plotline and, and depiction of a depressed northern city it's not as brutal though and the plot moves at a more leisurely pace 
A fair amount of the film is given over to Marla's backstabbing machinations at work. Difficult to watch without thinking of Fry and Laurie's Utoxeter Leisure Centre sketches, yet still pretty accurate about office politics at the middle management level. Some uncannily prophetic stuff about the rise of computers in there as well. As a film, not perfect by any means, but well worth a watch. Um, I probably will watch that. I will definitely watch yeah. it, yeah. No. I'd never heard of it, but yeah, I mean, it, it, Lyndon really sold it on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Glad he got up to watch it. <laughs> um, tangentially mentioned of Fry and Laurie, I read, you know, I was saying earlier, I read Raymond Bradbury. Ray Bradbury this week. I also read I'd never read it before Rendezvous with Rama the, oh yeah I've never read it um, good ideas but throughout it I was thinking of do you know Fran Laurie the sketch show from yes the, Tony and Control <laughs> yeah Darcy <laughs> Clark's dialogue is exactly like really? that really <laughs> yes I think you'd better be careful <laughs> <laughs> yes you can say that again <laughs> Oh my goodness um, no I prefer Bradbury to Clark but anyway yes thank you very much Great, um, and just a couple more from, well, one more from Facebook actually. My mate Craig, he wrote Under Milkwood, picked up a reading copy to the day. <laughs> to He's the. Australian. Like. <laughs> Roll with it. Okay, Under Milkwood, picked up a reading copy to the day. Bloody good film too. <laughs> okay, I can get away okay. with that because like, yeah, okay. mate, but, but to any <laughs> actual real Australian listeners out there, I apologise. I've not seen um, Under Milkwood. Burton in it. It's definitive, but yeah, yeah. I've uh, never seen it. No, no. Dylan no. Thomas. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah no. Chris Salt, Salt Man, Udo Kier, explaining Suspiria to the audience, being staked or emerging fully grown out of a lady's gusset, always watchable. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what does he say at the end of uh, Flesh for Frankenstein? Um, oh, no, oh, no, it's at the end. It's when he's. Uh, is it when his liver's hanging out on a. No, it's before that because he's talking To know about death, you must first fuck life through the gallbladder. That's right, yeah. yeah. That's the one. Yeah. But no, his quote at the end of Flesh for Frankenstein's good as well. I can't think. What, I think you need to watch it in context. I think yes. it's him with his liver, with the poker through him with his liver hanging off, saying, I was I was feeling I was on the right track or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, good old Ugo Udo. And um, just a little as an add on to that, uh, Joe Scaramanga. Okay, Alan. Hi, mate. Hey, my old um, dorm buddy. He put in Udo here, or is that okay? He can count through <laughs> you here. <laughs> and now uh, from Mick nineteen sixty six twenty two uh, via Twitter, he's wrote in loads, so we'll just let's alternate flip between them. So oh, me kicking off. <laughs> um, ultraviolet. No matter what you think of the Wimmer. This is a top-notch early 2000s CGI bull and Miller rocks. I've no idea what that's all about. Uh, uh, Ultraviolet. Right. Ah, right. Who's Ultra the Wimmer? The Wimmer. The Wimmer. I don't know. Get your answers in on a postcard. Sorry, we've let you down. Not Paul W.S. Anderson. No. That's... Cause they're Could be. Squeezies, aren't they now? They're together. Jovovich oh. and Paul W.S. Anderson, but... I don't know. Uh, Uncle Boon Me, who can recall his past lives, a freaky deaky Buddhist mystery, dream time, and bloody funny. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I saw that cinema. A lot of stuff I didn't understand, but... Was it freaky deaky? It was definitely freaky deaky. Underworld USA. Sam Fuller hits it out of the park. Again, watch Fuller films. Um, ah, I can see mentions another one later on, so I wasn't, I'm not going to mention it. But yes, yeah. that a Fuller connection I was going to bring up. Okay. Uh... Uomini Contro, Fantastic Italian War or Anti-War Drama. Uh, I don't know, I'm not familiar with that. Valhalla Rising. 
which I know you're a big fan of. Bonkers Dream Time Travelogue Punch Up Masterpiece. You think Drive is good? See the art house version. Yes. Ah, it's great. Nicholas Winding Refrain, who didn't direct Doctor Who. Who didn't? Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. But might direct Blake Seven. <laughs> uh, I think he said <laughs> if he'd, his be dreams keen, come true. he'd be keen to do it. But well, he's going to do Logan's Run, isn't he? I'm not sure. Remake. He I'm wanted sure. to. But I don't know if with Doctor Who, he, he may have. I don't know. Would he have asked a lot of money? Possibly. I don't know if BBC. There might be some Indian stuff. But I doubt it. I watched a brilliant documentary about him recently uh, called Gambler, made by a Danish uh, documentary filmmaker. And it was about the period after he made Fear X, which bankrupted him and totally screwed him over. And then he had to make money, so he made Pusher Two and Three um, to make them to make money and get him uh, credit again. And now he's, you know, riding the crest of stardom, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Valhalla Rising is fantastic. Absolutely love that. Probably that must be one of his lowest budget films actually, because he made that straight mm. after Bronson. Yeah, right, immediately. Oh. No, it's, it's it looks great, doesn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, Vengeance is Mine, a twisted 60s serial killer masterpiece in Japanese for added inscrutability. Inscrutability like is the word of the show, in the same <laughs> way I kept using ersatz <laughs> yeah. last time. <laughs> my apologies. Visitor Q, it's like when I go to see my sisters, only softer, fun for all the family. I'm not familiar with Visitor it's Q. It's Takashi Miike, okay. uh, incestual, a lot of incest going on, <laughs> necrophilia. <Dora>. Okay. <laughs> I hope he gets it in the right order. <laughs> Well, oh right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Virgin Spring Berg smacks it out of the park with a nasty trauma revenge masterpiece. I think Have didn't, you? Um, didn't oh, sorry, his... I've jumped one, haven't I? Yeah, yes, yes, sorry. I think uh, Wes Craven did something similar. <laughs> uh, Volva, I love the sound of kisses in the morning and Penelope Cruz's ass. I love kissing Penelope Cruz's ass in the morning. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sure Tom Cruise genuinely did as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've not seen anything since Volva actually. Broken Embraces or The Skin I Live In. So yeah. I like a bit of Armada Bar. Uh, White Dog, if you've not seen this Sam Fuller semi-masterpiece, you don't know cult film, really. Uh, yeah, no, I haven't. No, I, I I, was thinking of getting that on the show, mm. but I watched the trailer and wasn't quite sure what to make of it. But, you know, possibly. We'll see. Who can kill a child? Me. This lot of bonkers. Yes. Um, did you get to see that in the end? Yeah, I did, yeah. It's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. really good. I... I don't I think it's pretty well known, really. No, I've not heard of it till Cigarette Burns was shot. Yeah, yet, yeah. I've, actually, I've got the T-shirt on. Look at that. Hey, what a spooky coincidence. <laughs> yeah, grateful. Um, who, given that I sent you this and you reviewed it, you'd better bloody include it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I was I was one yeah, of I our uh, one of our better. Uh, yeah. No, that was a good one. Winnebago Man, fuck, fuck, fuckity fuck. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> okay. What's win- is that a film, Winnebago Man? I'm, I'm hoping or Winnebago so. Winnebago Man? Win- win- no, 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 no. <laughs> Winnebago. Winnebago Man, yeah. <laughs> Which finder general? Vincent Price, I have made hundreds of films. Michael Reeves, I've made three good ones. <laughs> Six, something uh, like that. Ah, yes, no, that was the quote, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, have you seen Witchfinder General? Uh, when I was a child, yeah. was the last time I saw it. Yeah, no, I like the Sorcerers, the Michael Reeves one with Boris Karloff yeah. and Ian Ogilvy. It's just come out on Blu-ray, I think, Witchfinder General. So. Yeah. 
Anyway, the Wolfman. I'm not easily spooked, but Lon Chaney Jr. gives me the willies. And we saw him in House of Frankenstein. Indeed, we did. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I'm ashamed to admit I've not seen the original Wolfman. Haven't you? No. Yeah. You've seen the remake though, I've which you were remake, terribly impressed hated, with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, World on a Wire. The future will be evil. Correct, as Cameron is in charge. That's Fassbender's uh, TV film, isn't it? World on a Wire. God, you're you're shaming me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, no, cause I know because I've been trying to buy it for a while, but it's always just outside my of maybe. ignorance. <laughs> Young Frankenstein putting on the Ritz. <laughs> we know that reference at least. Werewolf. Yeah. Uh, Zazie dans le métro, and we'll have fun, fun, fun till our daddy takes the <laughs> tea bird away. Wow, that's going to be the first of two Beach Boy references this show. <laughs> um, yeah, um, have you seen that? It's Louis Marl, isn't it? Yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite fun. Yeah, yeah. I remember quite fun. Not the young girl in it, but I think there was another girl in it I <laughs> quite like. But yeah, no, because I had to do that at college. It was, oh. it was kind of odd that Beatles references and things. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh. And finally, Zoolander. But go and see Chronicle, which is bloody great. <laughs> David Bowie's in Zoolander. Yes, he is. And he comes on to Let's Dance. Yeah, no, I like that. I like him in that. And John Boyd. Is it the Venture Brothers? Have you mm. seen that? I guess, yeah. Excellent stuff there, mate. Okay, so is that is that it? Is that everybody's? Everyone's done it. Well, I sent you an email last night saying that since we started this thing Oh, with thing those off, pictures? Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, <shh. laughs> I have the Andy Sideris collection. Um, since we got this rolling... I what was it with I think on a, a for aspect ratio <laughs> sounds about right that sounds about right <laughs> it might be nice to just roll this off even though it's a new combination of words roll it off <laughs> I'll just roll one out roll it up <laughs> with a couple of Z's of our own yeah yeah definitely. so what, go on Phil I'm just going to read my Let's hand off, off the back of your just hand so I've got um, I've, I've gone for films really I've only got one left now after someone's taken Z channel oh right yeah so don't don't expect <laughs> anything too exciting from me. I've got three. Um, Zone Troopers, Charles Bound production. Uh, I think it's Daniel Bilson directed it. Um, Tim Thomason, <laughs> Tom Timerson. <laughs> I always get, I always gave name Tiny confused. Tim. And uh, Art Lafleur. Uh, you know the stalwarts of that uh, stable of. Um, Low budget sci-fi, just brilliant fun, great ideas, good poster, uh, playful, brilliant poster because it's uh, the uh, I want you, it's I the want Kitchener you. kind of yeah, Kitchener, but with a it. kind of a weird furry, fuzzy budgy alien. headed <laughs> thing, yeah. and it's it's a it's a it's it's just a load of fun. Um, it, it does what it says on the uh, video box, and I put Zatoichi, uh, particularly the. T- Keshi Kitano remake, uh, which yeah, it's just quite mind blowing, really, how he merges a lot of ideas into something quite cohesive, and it, it shouldn't work. Dance numbers and routines, and the, the dance number at the end of that is absolutely fantastic. It is it? extraordinary. Yeah, great soundtrack. I put that on my soundtrack specials, didn't we? Uh, I yeah. mentioned that, um, and like, Kitano as the protagonist is always good, and finally. Bit of Fulci Zombie 2, aka Zombie Flesh Eaters, which the main draw is it's not a Z, but Fabio Fritzi's um, score for that is uh, 
along with the um, splinter in the eye scene, <laughs> as memorable. The splinter in the mind's eye. <laughs> so yeah, those are my uh, those are my Zeds. Well, I was gonna have Z channel because I didn't think anyone else was gonna pick it, <laughs> but instead I'm gonna go for George Zuko. Way Moriarty. Uh, yes, um, horror actor who doesn't really get enough recognition. I don't think. I mean, he's not he's not in the quite in the Karloff standards. Although, yeah, he was in. Uh, House of Frankenstein is the circus sort of owner, but even that small role, he really invested something in. Um, looking through the films, he was in an awful lot of mummy ones, but um, yeah, he was. Someone may correct me, but he was kind of the first Moriarty, in the second of the Rathbone films, Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, and it seems to me like there's the Moriarty in the in the in the final problem, the the Sherlock Holmes story, who's an older guy and is a little more distant. Um, it almost seems like. I don't think it would be too much of a stretch to say he kind of invented arch enemies <laughs> almost because <laughs> Moriarty in that is how we usually see the arch enemy is the equally matched kind of guy mm. um, and yeah just throughout any other kind of films that's how they're usually done the hero's opposite who's a little more sophisticated maybe mm. um, yeah I just think he's fantastic uh, looking around he, he yeah never got that recognition and I was intrigued to find that apparently in Kenneth Anger's um Hollywood Babylon, he claims that Zuko ended up in a madhouse believing that H.P. Lovecraft's literature was true. <laughs> um, apparently this is absolute cobblers, though he died of pneumonia or something. <laughs> but um, no, just thought I'd put a little love out there for Zuko. Good stuff, yeah. I thought I'd need to uncover more of his, <laughs> his works. But I like the idea of that. that what a way to go. I wish that were for Anger's version. <laughs> Although, one of the last films he was in uh, is called Scared to Death, which is a Bela Lugosi movie in colour, which, um, which Rich Wells was good enough to uh, give me a copy of. Do you know this film at all, even by reputation? I think he's given me a copy, actually, which I it's, it's not just Lugosi in colour, it's narrated by a corpse. <laughs> I think we might cover it at some point. Oh, wow. Yeah, we need some more Lugosi in, the, yeah, yeah. in our lives. So, that's the end of A to Z of movies through midnight video thanks again for everyone's contributions but what are we going to have to fill the vacuum um, I think you've got a, a raft of ideas haven't you <laughs> just a raft <laughs> um, no um, as, as I've made kind of clear on this show there's a whole lot of areas of film which I'm very unfamiliar with and certainly that even though we're now 30 shows in key figures actors directors what have you that we've we've not gone anywhere near and really should so, what we'd like from uh, from here on in is we're going to, every show, suggest a film director or an actor and we'd like you to get in touch with us and let us know which film connected to that person you'd like us to cover and we'll cover it probably a few shows after. Yeah, just give us time to like get the film and... Yeah. Then, uh, and for everyone watched. to get their, uh, their entries, get their entries in. in as well. As usual, we'll uh, pester people through Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, because I appreciate... Well, we not everyone both appreciate listens. Not yeah. everyone listens to it straight away. You know, sometimes there's a, a backlog. So uh, we'll there's, give you all there's a nearly chance. seven billion people still waiting to uh, <laughs> hear the first one. But I think that yeah, it'd be good to hear to hear other people's thoughts on um, stuff that we should be covering. Because you know, we get people saying, "Oh, do this, do that," but just ordering us about. Yeah, I, I kind of like being ordered yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> but who's first on the block? Um, it could be one of the greatest disaster stories <laughs> <laughs> directorial um. yeah like I say we will cover whatever it is that gets um, most prominent feedback 
So Dario Argento. Dario Argento, who, who we've not covered at all yet, and we were thinking of covering. Well, four four flies on grey velvet because that's getting a Blu-ray release soon. It's out now. Yeah, or yeah. Tenebrae, which I know you're quite excited by. But who knows? We may end up covering that. But if you can get in touch with us and let us know any of the Argento films, you know, name any of them and just make a little case for why you think it's something that we think we feel we should cover. Yeah, uh, anything from his entire oeuvre. But the less after <laughs> the less after uh, opera, the better. <laughs> That means everyone's going to go for exactly. the Exactly, yeah. We'll end up doing, um, <laughs> what is it? 3D. Jennifer from the Masters of Horror or something. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we've thrown We are willing open. to do anything. It's, yes. It's about what you guys recommend. We well. are the servants. <laughs> I am twisted. What's that? I can't hear you. I, I am twisted. I am twisted. When Arthur Malcolm is mistaken for a rapist and has an unfortunate encounter with a teaspoon, the struggling artist's work goes off in a whole new direction, one which will require a ready supply of fresh eyeballs. Kent Bateman's tale of serial killing, creative frustration and mental collapse stars Bo Brundin as the patch-wearing fruitcake who was the cops baffled in 1971's The Headless Eyes. So we have Mondo Dan to thank for this. Yeah. Uh, he handed you over a copy. Is it particularly difficult to get hold of this? I think so. Um, I read one review on IMDb where the guy in there was quite happy that he'd managed to locate it. So, uh, in that he enjoyed it, or just that he'd found this? Uh, that he'd got this right. very obscure uh, exploitation movie. Right. Is this the Wizard Giant Box or whatever it is? I'm not sure. He didn't uh, say how he went about uh, retrieving the goods. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect from this at all, but it's certainly a nice change of pace after two American action movies from 1991. Two American action movies? Linguini's not very action not very action. <laughs> but, um, no, um, yeah, I watched this not really knowing anything at all about it. It's It looks very cheap, it's very much from that grindhouse kind of era, it's sort of 16 mil, so that very faded mm. colour. And it looks like um, synchronized sound has been a bit of a problem with it. Um, <laughs> I loved the opening of this, which yeah has the the main guy in it, um, um, Arthur Malcolm, who is bearded. Um, he's got the misfortune to be around in the seventies at a time when it was de rigueur to have long hair, but he's <laughs> he's going pretty thin on top. Uh, so he kind of looks like Mike Love from the Beach Boys. Or possibly Brian De Palma because he does get into a bit of a safari jacket a little bit <laughs> later does, on in the yeah. film. But as we said in the introduction, he gets mistaken for a rapist. I shouldn't laugh at this. <laughs> <laughs> While trying to just uh, trying to just he's trying to get some money, he's trying to he? pay his rent. Uh, not that we're condoning rent. breaking into people's houses, but when he's trying to just want the money for it and gets his eye gorged out with um, a spoon with a spoon. The thing I then loved is that while he's rolling about on the floor with his eye hanging out, it's it's kind of a decent gore effect. It's all right. While that's happening, <laughs> sorry, that's is it when the people. The, no, it's that's when the title sequence oh, kicks right. in. You'd have expected the titles to be in isolation, but it's while this guy's rolling around with his eye out, and I think then hanging outside the building for a while, yeah, yeah. and then the titles come back up with starring so and so, hanging there screaming, and then lying on the pavement, rolling around again with his eye out, like he's in hostel, and people go, and then you get the, the credits keep rolling. I just love like, the credits mocking him almost. 
and it's all on a loop as well like there's like a, a loop of ah oh, my eye my eye <laughs> and like oh. a, ah, my eye my eye ah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's a very odd film um because yeah, I don't it think is. it's just a cheap exploitation movie. Uh, it seems like that the director was trying to maybe make some statement about creative frustration. The fact that the uh, the main guy here isn't just someone who relishes in murder or has some sexual hang-up. He seems to be genuinely <laughs> someone who's off the rails. And I shouldn't laugh about that, because yeah. I think that was one of the best things about it, was it did seem like a pretty good... They'd, they'd gone the extra mile to make him someone who was just unhinged and just everything about him was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was uncomfortable to watch. Well, Driller Killer really sprang to mind immediately, I thought. You yeah. Know, the pent up artist uh, going on killing sprees. But it didn't have the budget or uh, the creative talent of Abel Ferreira, really. But still, what 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 does play out? It plays out quite admirably, and it really put me in mind almost of kind of deathbed as well. A bit yeah. that sort of. No, trying I was, to do I was thinking that it was different. again a low budget film that was trying to do something odd, and mm. you weren't sure if this was going for black comedy, no, or not. I don't think it was. I don't think ultimately. I don't no, think so. deathbed is, um, <laughs> which we've still not reviewed. That was their kind of demo yeah, demo really podcast too. many years yeah. ago. Um, like I say, I was very impressed by this uh, thing, and yeah, I was thinking of Driller Killer, but also to some extent Maniac. I mean, it's, yeah. that's notorious for how effect, uh, how extreme the gore is. But there's also again the fact that you're completely um, maniac like this. You're not following the victims and then seeing them get killed. It's you're you're completely with the killer the whole time, and you're in their horrible squalid little <laughs> mind space a lot yeah. for for most of the film. I can't stress how strange this guy is um, <laughs> with his eye patch. The fact that w- and he's Swedish, like the actor, the so he has a funny, ac- he's <laughs> yeah, a funny accent. He has a strange accent. Yeah, because know. it's not Swedish, but it's um, it's like very clipped English, isn't it? Because yes. a lot of his, uh, I think, he even gets mocked by a hooker at one point when. Uh, oh yeah, because she's like a. You're pro- a prostitute. Yes. Yeah, oh, prostitute. <laughs> yes, it's like sideshow, um, sideshow Mel or something, <laughs> isn't it? Um, no, I, I was I was really enjoying this, and, and I was again thinking this is this is a bit of an undiscovered gem. I yeah. thought it was doing such a good job of showing the squalid kind of madness of this guy. Um, there was another review I saw of this on uh, YouTube today. It's about ten minutes long by a guy right. called Slasher Index, who seemed <laughs> it's it's worth watching actually. Uh, okay. We'll we'll put a link up. Uh, not no disrespect to the guy who did that review. I mean, he's possibly a listener of this show, but he seems obsessed with the fact that people keep being nice to the serial killer, not because he's obviously a killer, but because he's bold and has he's, he's bold and has an eye patch, <laughs> and he can't understand why anyone would go near him because he's obviously a weirdo. He's too scared. But um, a, a, a point that guy was making was he found it badly made because it. Um, kind of after this opening the first thing we see is him the artist waking up in his apartment he's got these mobiles of um of dangling nice. eyes and he's got a few in his fridge he hears laughter downstairs goes downstairs and there's a couple looking through the window and that's when we find he's actually got his own kind of gallery or shop yeah but the guy reviewing it wasn't keen that that wasn't really explained you just kind of find it out but that was one of the things i really liked about oh, it it wasn't full of exposition it was exactly. kind of really oh wow that's where he is then you know and later on when the guy's ex-girlfriend turns up it's a little while before you kind of work out what their relationship is um, 
ultimately that's a cul-de-sac yeah but there was a nice thing with her i mean that that like i say it doesn't go anywhere but there's something i think deliberate about his the girl playing his ex-girlfriend the way that her makeup i don't think it's just the vagaries of uh, fashion from the 70s but she looks almost uglified by the makeup it's right. so badly put on yeah it has got a bit of a john waters air or something <laughs> yeah but throughout it, there are just touches like that, and the, the yeah, the, this couple looking through his window who That's are some, drunk yeah. and laughing at him, and then he goes to their apartment, and we've got this other side of them where they've sobered up, and there's clearly a horrible marriage going on mm. there. Yeah, that's really interesting because um, what I sort of gleaned from it was, yeah, in in the sort of like maniac because they're really good. I, I didn't even think of that, but that's it's glaringly obvious. But without resorting to sort of subjective camera techniques and that he uses or the the director uses sort of really odd techniques like where he is in the shop and there's that couple mocking him mm-hmm. and the screen is so dark around the edges you can't really tell is he inside yeah, or are the they inside or outside yeah. and when they're wa- off walking down the street later it, it's probably because it's so cheaply made but th- there's something with the silhouettes of the city and the angle of the camera there's there's something very it's really mirroring this like this crazy guy's mindset you know he, and he seems to do this a few times there's a few moments where uh, there's definite like directorial choices of how the camera is set up or uh, the way he's chasing one of his vi- in fact that's brilliant I should mention that is uh, there's a whole like 10 minute sequence where it begins with a news reporter reporting the death the the murder of a, a young woman having her eye, she's had her eye gouged out that's his trademark yeah. and then he's the reporter interviews people in the crowd and he's in the background is Malcolm the killer, Malk yeah. and you have a flashback to him chasing this woman over these rooftops and it's, it's really good that's it's fantastic done well. done. and it's it happens a few times and you um because it is cheap this kind of works its favor um you just well i did anyway i just thought that was the next scene because yeah. it came out of nowhere like a lot of other scenes here there was no build-up it just edits mm. um but it turns out this is he this is him having a flashback to that and um so it's just a little reverie is having while this this thing with the reporter in the box yeah. pops going on but it's so well done because he chases uh, the kind of weird the angles of these rooftops aren't they Very and the weird. angle there and there's then from, sheets on and there yeah, as it's well. between two clothes lines and he chases her between them and it is claustrophobic and weirdly dreamlike and the other thing it reminded me of is um I'm sure most people will be familiar with The Exorcist, but there are bits in that when Jason Miller's character has dreams about when yeah. his mother's I think just after she's died. Mm-hmm. And there's a the dreams in that aren't like slow motion stuff. They are this kind of very weird verite kind of yeah. like. and there's one when it's just a normal New York street this is The Exorcist and his mother just walks up from the subway do you remember that bit yeah yeah the whole film has that atmosphere of just like a weird dream yes um, oh, and course, yeah, because he does have a sort of dreamlike moment where he's in a street that's abandoned and they've chosen this building which is a black and white with huge stones yeah and he's just just dressed in white yeah and it's very have you seen Harry Stratus no. the Don Levy film I watched that recently and that has a similar kind of thing going on where there's a real blurring of realities mm-hmm. and you're just not sure what what's real what's not what real to be seeing yeah. is it from the protagonist's point of view or 
the antagonist in this case. No, it's just really creative filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the other element that gives it all of that lunacy, um, which I'm surprised you've not mentioned yet, is the, mu- the music. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, the um, music's great. The music, which is, there's probably only two or three music cues in this, but they're on a loop. Mm. It's, it's not quite wall-to-wall music, but it's very rare that there's a scene when the music stops. And the the couple of bits particularly they they just seem to have been specially created to keep you really dislocated um, they have a very spidery kind of th- there's two kinds of guitar noise in it isn't it there's yeah. one that's like a whirl which you, you kind of get on some really experimental animation with abstract objects flipping around it's just there's another that's really spidery and creepy it's like Plinky plonky. I, I found that but more like if you were playing a violin with your fingers, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's kind of a. Yeah. Um, but the other thing with that that really put me on edge, um, not spooked me, but just made me feel a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> the rhythm of it, there's just a drum roll, really unexpectedly. It's never at a frequent interval. It's just no. like that, like the punchline to a joke. But it's not at regular intervals. And I was thinking, wow, this is such a good film. It's, yeah. it's, it's prime. <laughs> it's exactly what we should be covering. It's it's obscure. It's low budget. It's very creative. Forty minutes in, I just had enough. Of it. <laughs> 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 oh man and it was completely due to that music I just it was <laughs> it put you on edge it, it wasn't put me on edge is the wrong thing that's mm. only suggested it spooked me out but it was just leaving me feeling really disoriented mm. and um, all the, the it was full of surprises for the first probably 40 minutes but after a while um, there's only so long you can do that before I think your brain or certainly mine wants something to hang on to right, right. or it needs to go off in a different direction entirely but it just seems to it's a, it's, it is it is use this word a lot in it but squalid it just seems like this guy's horrible little world um, I'm trying to think of the victims he has there's, that, there's the couple there's, um, there's the hooker he sees on the street um, then there's this guy who produces low budget films who um, inexplicably is complaining to a scriptwriter that his script's like everybody else's. I think that's exactly what he would want. But uh, yeah, again, I don't know if the director's put that in deliberately, but he mm-hmm. says, oh, I want something original. <laughs> but yeah, there was this sort of softcore actress who's with him. Um, all these kind of very drifty souls, and it's. Um, uh, oh, and the secretary who wants, she's thinking to herself about how she wants plastic surgery. But she's he doesn't he seems to plan a lot of his yeah. murders, but this one was that was of, he was busted. He had to, yeah, yeah, it was um, impromptu. <laughs> but yeah, after a while, I just found it an uncomfortable and yeah, not uncomfortable in a, eesh, this is just a bit too much. More like if you were by you were sniffing in fumes or something. <laughs> it just made me feel a bit nauseous after a while. Yeah, it got a little too repetitive. No, not for me. Yeah, I, I, considering it doesn't have uh, a narrative in you know like script writing terms, I think it did a really good job of like keeping my attention, um, not just from a sort of oh, who's he going to kill next kind of thing. Because yeah. then, quite later on, you, it's not a love interest, but there's a art student who admires his work because he, these eyeballs he puts into like perspex cubes. And, mm. I don't know if he sells them or not because there's a lot of it, he doesn't do a good job of pitching does he no because it, he, I think he intimates to his ex-girlfriend doesn't he that um, he buys trinkets and sells yeah. them in his shop you know he makes like a it's like a bag puss <laughs> yeah we will buy you we, 
Um, we will but, find you. We will find <laughs> That's you. That's even scarier. <laughs> yes. What is it? Uh, we will fix it. We will it? fix it. Jim yeah. will. Mm. Um, but yeah, sorry. That's just reminding me of actually. There's like he has a soliloquy, doesn't he, to his girlfriend? That's a particular musical moment. It. That yeah. is that was quite disturbing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wonder where that was going to go with the young girl and. Which again reminded me of Maniac, the fact that this guy who's clearly bad news. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to have a go at him for being bold and overweight um, and having one eye. But But he's really nasty to her as well. He's he's his best to put her off. She might be impressed with his art, but he just acts very, not even beyond snotty, isn't he? He's he's, he's kind of get out of He's he's just completely (laughs) ignoring her to the point that breaks her down a little bit, doesn't it? Mm. She starts being a bit cool. And then ultimately, she's. Oh, I just want to be your friend. <laughs> that peters out, I guess. But yeah, it doesn't need anywhere. You think no. there's going to be some redemption, or it's going to go with a plot? No, he just but goes it, off and it clearly isn't victim. meant to be that kind of film. That mm. was just, which I kind of admire. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really surprised by it. I, I yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, and it is actually reviewed in um, Nightmare USA, the right. Stephen Thrower book. Yeah, but I didn't get the. Ch- I just checked it briefly I thought oh Christ I should have looked in that <laughs> last mm. night <laughs> when I was preparing but uh, I did see it in the index so I don't think um, Kent Bateman went on to a great deal more a little bit of TV directing or something I didn't look into it no I think I he was a producer on Team Wolf 2 <laughs> I might be getting confused with another oh is that with uh, Arrested Development guy Jason Bateman <laughs> well, I don't he know. plays uh, the wolf in that doesn't he ah, could Wolf's be a connection yeah. but Bro Brundin, I don't know if you look this up. This is the killer. Um, he's now got his own YouTube channel. Oh wow! Um, where he just he pretty much sits and talks in Swedish, but occasionally he'll film himself watching. Um, it looks like famous, famous YouTube videos. If the ones that everyone's talking about that have gone viral, I think he just films himself his face watching them. <laughs> but. I was, uh, or it's up to him, but I was disappointed he was speaking in Swedish because I quite like to hear what he's got to say now. He's, he's sort of in his 70s now. We could get in but, touch. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I think he might like to hear his uh, his performance from 40 odd years ago, yeah. given a once over. But um, yeah, man, just to wind up, I'm pretty sure the fact that this is about a balding man who's bad tempered and had that drum roll throughout it. I went to bed the night after watching this. Had a dream about Phil Collins. <laughs> um, they were playing the studio in IKEA today. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the, the connection's going on. No, I had a dream. I was um, I I'd met Phil Collins backstage at something, and I think I'd try to joke around with him, but he got the the hump. He got the wrong end of the stick. Then, for some reason, we were going to be interviewed on something together, and I was trying to make out to everyone that we were good friends. But Phil wasn't having any of it. <laughs> I think it was a direct result. They, they should have put a warning on the cover of this yeah. box. Her eyes are different. Honest. Maybe. Maybe. So... That wraps things up for another night. Yeah, watch we're about our way to leave. Yes, ah, glad you brought that up because mm. there's going to be a little gap before show thirty. Oh, there is. There yeah. is, but because you you're swanning off to, I'm swanning off Middle to Abu Dhabi. So if you want to rob my house, <laughs> well, I'll probably be back by the time Flat this one, goes. <laughs> <set> six, uh. <laughs> no, I've got a, I've got a grumpy, bold artist with an eye patch there with his, <laughs> or Phil Collins. <laughs> I know that, but no, um. 
the next show to go up won't be us, but Phil's been beavering away on the platters that matter. Yeah, the wheels of steel. The wheels well, of steel. The virtual wheels of steel. Some of you will know that I do like mixes as Furico and Furico, Furicore and Neo Technoir. If you put Furicore, there's not many other. <laughs> no, there isn't. But no. yeah, because Jim's away, um, I didn't really want to do a show by myself because. I haven't got the patter. You haven't <laughs> got the pasties. <laughs> so yeah, there's going to be a, a short forty-five break. minute. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. short break. <laughs> yes, there'll be a forty-five. We're going to put out forty-five minutes segment. of silence. <laughs> <laughs> of yeah, little treats from previous shows, basically. Not as well, not the best of, but no. you're going to be expanding on the soundtracks that we've uh, yeah, covered in the past. So, it's a musical um, interlude, a Monty Python style musical interlude. No, it's good stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in a few weeks' time. Um, so that gives you loads of time to get your Argento To get your Argento uh, entries in, yeah. Or anything else you want to get in touch with us. So to get your Argento entries in, get in touch with us via email, midnightvideo at hotmail.co.uk, or through the blog, www.midnight, uh, not slash, hyphen, <laughs> dash, <laughs> oh, either way start again it's like 29 shows in and we still haven't been able to it's come on you've had a few drinks and a few flat pack meatballs today www.midnight-video.com I'm sure you all know anyway or through Facebook just give us a little search or Twitter yeah at Midnight Video so that's it uh, we're about to leave our uh, comfy subterranean studio it might have and snowed. it might we may be snowed in. There were heavy heavy snow forecast when we got here, and it bloody freezing. We might have to stay down here. Well, yeah, we could have just recorded another show, couldn't <laughs> we? I suppose we just have to watch a bit on the computer. Yes. <laughs> okay. Thanks once again to everyone who entered the A to Z of movies through midnight video, and we're looking forward to all your contributions in the future. So um, yeah, we'll see you again in a few weeks, and enjoy the musical interlude. Cool. Our feed is in. Bye bye. Down in the bayou, that's well me Under the pines of a hanging bee That's where I'll give you all of my sweet love Down in the bayou, down in the bayou That's where we'll go In the heat of the night with the moon on glow That's where I'm planning to get to know Down in the bayou Creole man, it can be I've had over 50 appearances on television and starred in seven full-length major motion pictures. But that's enough about me.